When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the E2C Network, podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com. War Eagle Auburn fans, welcome to Inside the Jungle, your source for Auburn men's basketball analysis and discussion. And tonight, folks, this is your therapy session. This is where you come into the little proverbial room here, the make-believe um, office for your psych- psychologist, if that's what you want to call it. Let's, let's get, come on here. Come sit on the couch. Come sit next to Uncle Kyle. We're going to talk about this. It's okay. You can't make me. You can't make I, me. Clint, come on. I've been having No, it. you can't make me. Look, Clint has been, like, avoiding this call like the plague all night, and I finally – look, he's even, like, faking his computer breaking down. That's how <laughs> bad this is. Come on, Clint. Come into the room. Sit right here next to all Kyle, right. and we're going to talk it's about not, this. Not Uncle Kyle, please. <laughs> all right. Look, we got to talk about this tonight. It is a very sad and somber night. Your Auburn Tigers have fallen to the Virginia Cavaliers by the score of 63-62. to 62. That one uh, hurts. I said it. We lost. Uh, Let's get all those, like, guttural noises out that you want to. Uh, wow, that was a bad one there. <laughs> You can lower that one in post. Um, no, look, that one's staying in completely the way it was because people need to appreciate. And they're probably like, yep, that's me right now. I am the one that's screaming right now as I'm listening to this. Let's be honest. We're all going to be crying in some way about this for the next couple of days, maybe maybe even weeks for some people that this you know really affects. And it's an odd position for Auburn to be in that a basketball loss affects us this much which is really crazy to say don't you think yeah um it's it's new territory for real i mean this is a program that struggled to win 10 games in a season just a couple of years ago and every win was <clears throat> treated like it was going to be the last one and now now we're upset over a 30 win season coming to a close and the first trip to the final four ending and, and rightfully so. I mean, these, it sucks to lose. And you hear so many fantastic athletes say they hate the feeling of losing more than they love the feeling of winning. And it's totally true. Like this hurts. And it's not the first time we felt this feeling as Auburn fans, but it is the first time in a very, very long time that we have as Auburn basketball fans. Well, and here's the thing, too, is you felt like the story was built for Auburn to win with the incredible run through March Madness, not losing a single game in March, the people that you beat to get here. You had to think, well, if Auburn can beat these guys, there's no one that can stop them at this point. 
And lo and behold, they run into a team that found a way to beat Auburn. And it's not that Auburn was made to look silly. And I think, honestly, a couple of people, not a couple of people, several, you know, just I think a lot of us would have been more at peace had we got run over and just we would have realized, okay, maybe we weren't (laughs) as good as we thought we were or maybe the other teams weren't as good as we thought they were. But, you know, whatever way you want to spin it here, it hurts, it sucks, it's over with. We're going to talk about it a little bit. Um, We're not going to talk about the season in full as much as we can tonight because we'll do our season uh, review show where we'll talk about all all that kind of stuff, the seniors, um, and then take a broad uh, spectrum look at all that tonight. Let's focus mainly on the game tonight. And I think with our opponent, the Virginia Cavaliers, you had to think that they were coming in with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder as well, Clint, that they were the team that was the first ever loss to a 16 seed. That's embarrassing. They came in with something to prove this year, I feel like, and they weren't going to let a surging team like Auburn get in the way. No, you're absolutely right. And and CBS has done such an amazing job producing the coverage of this entire tournament. And they had a feature uh, just before the game started on how, on how that really affected this team and the community and just – you know, you go from a laughing stock, and you're not going to ever let that happen again. They, you know, the coaches, Tony Bennett said, that's never going to happen to this team again. And if we had to go through the worst loss in the history of the NCAA tournament to get to where we are right now, which is now, you know, they've made their first Final Four appearance as well. Now they're playing for their first national championship. That's got to be totally worth it. And, you know, Auburn fans know that feeling, too. We went for 2008 to get to 2010. We went for 2012 to hit 2013. If you had to go for the worst of the worst to see the best of the best, I, I would totally go for it and for that. Yeah, and, and I think that's what's driving this team right now is that they have something to prove, something to make up for more than something to prove. Uh, because no matter how much they try, they're always going to be known as the team to first lose to a 16 seed as a number one seed. Uh, so they looked like they're at least thus far by taking down our Tigers, trying to make amends for that. A lot was made of UVA's ability to slow the game down. And a lot was made about Auburn's ability to speed the game up. So you kind of came into a head in this game where something had to give. There really wasn't going to be a neutral point for that. Someone was going to get the advantage. And I think obviously with the way the score happened, the way the game kind of played out, I think we would all agree that UVA was the one that controlled the game for the majority of it. I, I think you can look at it that way. I think the, you know, just measuring the tempo of what both teams wanted to do, I think we do we did kind of hit that middle ground. Auburn wasn't able to run like they wanted to, but they had spurts. And Virginia was kind of sped up a little bit more than they were wanting to as well. So both teams had a little bit of pull on that tug of war. And I... I think that it still would have leaned a little Virginia's way, but Auburn did a pretty decent job of fighting with what they had to give. And, you know, I know the speed and the tempo and the style was the big story coming into the game. But for me, my big takeaway is just how solid Virginia was in the half court, both offensively and defensively. You saw Auburn really struggle on their offensive side as Virginia 
just seriously built a wall inside the paint. Auburn barely got the ball inside the paint whatsoever inside the arc. And they were just so incredibly fundamentally sound, you know, as when you start playing basketball at five and six years old, you're taught as a defender, stay between the ball and the goal. I don't think a Virginia defender got out of that line the entire game. They were quick on their feet. They never left their feet on until the ball was actually shot. They didn't fall for many fates and pump shots. And, you know, they, they are incredibly sound in their fundamentals and, that's how they took over this game in the first half, especially and it's when Auburn wasn't able to get shots. Auburn couldn't get clean three-point shots, and it's just Virginia was so tough. And, you know, I, I, I hate that the game ended the way it did because it's going to overshadow the fantastic ball game that we had going on, especially Virginia's defensive style. It was incredibly impressive to watch. Well, you and I talked about this in the last episode, too, that we consider this to be one of the better tournaments that we've watched in in some time. And, of course, our Tigers were in it, playing well. So, you know, we're kind of a little bit more favorable to it in in that regard. But there has been some great basketball played, especially in our games, by the opponents as well. And so credit has to go to Tony Bennett and his Cavaliers for putting together a game plan that nearly stymied the Tigers. But I think also, trying to you know be a little bit of a Pollyanna here and, and put a positive spin on this if you can, you have to give credit to Auburn. You and I have done this for five years, and how many times have we talked about an Auburn team that laid down when they got hit in the mouth and just could never fight back? And how many times this season, not just this season, but even a lot last year, minus you know the end of the way things ended there, how many times have we talked about that Auburn has gotten punched in the mouth and got up off the mat and given them a, themselves a chance, a chance to win a game? It's been an incredible turnaround. It absolutely has. And, I mean, this team this season didn't show that whatsoever. And you hear the cliche of culture change in especially college football and, and in pro football as well. Our new coaching staff has to come in and change what the previous staff had installed. I think we're well beyond that now for the Auburn basketball program. Coach Pearl has just just driven it into this team's heads that you're going to fight for 40 minutes no matter what. And they continue to do such a great job of what you said, getting knocked down, fighting back up. Virginia had a pretty decent lead in the first half. Uh, you know, five points was a pretty big lead early on in this game. Yeah. And Auburn was able to bounce back. Auburn went on a, a 9-2 run, a 10-0 run. Auburn was able to bounce back with, I think, a 12-2 run towards the end of the game to take the lead late in the game. And those are the kind of things. Virginia was making the garbage shots. You yes. throw it up and it goes in. <laughs> you live on a prayer and it goes in. That's what Virginia was living on at times when Auburn was playing fantastic defense. Most teams and many previous Auburn teams would have thrown their hands up, would have gotten incredibly frustrated with that, and let it affect their play. Auburn did get frustrated, and naturally so, in this game, but they didn't let it affect their game. 
and that I think is a huge testament to what Coach Burrell has put into this team. And this team already had plenty of reasons to lay down after the loss of Chumo Kiki. You can kind of understand and expect the positive response they had after his injury in the Sweet 16 and them kind of fighting for him in the Elite Eight. But with a layoff and then having to realize after the hype of that weekend is gone and having to, okay, we really have to do this now without Chuma. This is a team that had every excuse to lay down and lay an egg like they did against Clemson last tournament last year in the second round. But they didn't. So while you're sitting there wallowing in your sorrows, as I am, Auburn fans, remember this, that you just lost to a very good team who's also playing with a chip on their shoulder. And again, we're going to talk about some of those controversial things at the end of the game here in a second. You had to fight through all these other scenarios and things like that, but I'm still very proud of what they pulled off of here. And with Chuma being gone, it gives an opportunity for some other people to shine. And Daniel Purifoy, he gets his second start of the tournament after starting in the Elite Eight. You know, I think Daniel, for the most part, hasn't like lit up the stat sheets, but I think he has made some very crucial plays slash points in moments where we really needed someone to step up in the absence of Chuma, and I was so happy that it got to be him. Yeah, I mean, if you would have told me at the beginning of the year that not only would Auburn make the Final Four, but that D'Angelo Purifoy would have scored the first points in Auburn's Final Four history, I wouldn't have believed you whatsoever. (laughs) And I'd send you back to the future where you came from. Um, I mean, yeah, D'Angelo has just seized the opportunity like I never expected him to do. You know, we've talked many times this season that this doesn't look like the same D'Angelo from from two years ago. He doesn't have that killer instinct as a shooter that he did. He's not out there fighting the lights of Mustafa Heron to lead the team in scoring at, you know, 15, 20 points a game. He's averaging, you know, seven minutes a game and maybe a bucket. But he comes out in the biggest game in Auburn basketball history, gets a start, plays 29 minutes, grabs five rebounds, only has a single foul, and scores seven points. I mean, it's not... You know, like we said, it's not going to light up the scoreboard, but he's making his minutes count. Coach Pearl said, you know, in one of these practice uh, practices during the tournament that they recorded, you're not out there to log minutes. You're out there to make an impact. And Daniel Purifoy did that. And, and for what he went through, I mean, how can you not be happy for the kid? You know, I, I, I admit, and I admit this to Daniel as well, I never saw Dangel getting to this point. I never saw him getting back to where he was two years ago, and I still don't think he is. But I just didn't see number three really contributing to this team like he ended up being. And Coach Pearl saw that in this kid. You know, he's yeah, he's he's got the size, he's got the height, he's got the talent, but there's just something missing. And I didn't think we would see Dangel contribute like he ended up doing. And I think that thing that was missing is him seeing that moment that he could seize. And whether it was late in the tournament uh, where Chuma got his injury, that's his opportunity. But we saw him stepping up in the SEC tournament and even towards the the back half of the regular season. Slowly but surely, I think he realized when when you see a player 
realize their role and not just realize it but seize it you've seen Horace Spencer do that throughout his career that is when they become the best possible version of themselves and so it was very nice to see that story at least personally for D'Angelo Purefoy in the way it has for this season just a couple of other stats for you for the game uh, top scorers for the night one of these is very key for something we're going to talk about in just a second Samir Dowdy 13 points Jared Harper with 11 Bryce Brown with 12. Those are your only players in double digits tonight. Uh, let's just flat out say it, Clint. Tonight, Auburn did not shoot well in a lot of situations, but especially from beyond the three-point arc. Yeah, Auburn ended up shooting 38% overall, 29 from three-point land. Uh, Virginia, on the other hand, shot 49% overall and 37 for three-pointers. And they played really well in the second half, Virginia did. They, at one point, they were shooting 70% from the field. And, you know, this is this is an interesting t- uh, aspect of this style game. I think it's like since 2008, most of these NCAA championship games have been played in football stadiums. Football stadiums are wide, they're big, and a basketball court is not. And they do it so they can pat so many people in here. But, you know, just look at the crowd look at the stadium from the court it's very far off and it and it scientifically affects your shooting percentage and how you see the goal your depth perception is off and you know it's traditional now that shooting percentages are going to drop in these kind of games virginia is just not a three ball shooting team at one point i think auburn was like 2 for 7 from three point land and Virginia was 0 for 2. They ended up 7 of 19 to Auburn's 9 of 31. And that's that's a little bit more than I, I originally thought. But, you know, they, they kind of played the percentage ball, really. You know, we're just going to take it into the paint and, you know, we'll just make more than you uh, at a closer distance. We're not going to worry about those kind of sight lines. Mm-hmm. They made the adjustments they had to do to win here. And uh, so they didn't shoot well from three-point land, neither did we. <laughs> And you saw Auburn try their best to make some adjustments, but they would just the luck was more on Virginia's side tonight, as you already talked about. There were just some shots they threw up that had no business going into any type of rim, any type of hoop, and they just did. Um, sometimes a team just, it's their night and everything's going to fall out. Auburn's had its fair share of things that have gone their way in games throughout this season. It stands to reason that you'd have to have that happen for other teams as well here. And back to your point here, with them shooting so well from the field, the fact that they only beat Auburn by one point and arguably, I keep alluding to it, we're going to talk about it in a second, with some things that happened at the end. I'm just poking the bear at this point because you can feel the listener screaming, talk about it already! Um, (laughs) With that happening, they still only beat the Tigers by one point. That should be something you take pride in, Auburn family. You should understand the significance behind this moment. And yes, be upset. Yes, be angry in some instances, but not at your players, not at your coaches, not at their staff, not at your fan, your fellow Auburn fans. You need to understand the moment get, and let's, let's kind of deal with the sadness, but let's be excited about the accomplishment of what they pulled off this season. You and I said it both, Clint. We expected a Sweet 16 appearance. That was our standard. Anything else was gravy. Man, we got a double dose of gravy. I, I don't know how you feel about it. 
I, I'm incredibly happy with what this team is able to accomplish and going undefeated in March, playing as far into April in this tournament as possible. I mean, no other Auburn team has ever done this. And, you know, you've got the lights of uh, Charles Barkley who have come through these doors and worn that jersey, you know, and, and Chuck was never able to do this. Um, you know, it's this is a very special team, and it's which all of these teams that get this far are special teams. And it's a shame that any one of them had to lose right. the way that this game ended. And, you know, I, I, it's disappointing that it has to come down to that, regardless of how you feel the calls were actually made. The fact that it has to come down to that alone is just really sad. Um, I thought both teams played a fantastic game. I thought the officials were actually pretty decent for most of the game, but you know, just it would be amazing if teams were if these games came down to teams deciding it, yeah. not rules and whistles. And again, doesn't matter how you think it went because. You and I agree, but disagree with the majority of the Auburn fans, at least on social media that I've seen. Um, you know, it's it's just tainted. Right. You know, I I don't like to put an asterisk on anything. You know, Barry Bonds' home run record I do think is tainted, but um, no, that's an asterisk. I'm sorry, I'll fight you. That, that, that is that is an asterisk <laughs> for sure. But I don't I don't like the idea that this the uh, Michigan State Texas Tech game that's going on right now, and Monday night's championship game are just going to feel like something's wrong. You know, it's not going to feel right. And, and I hate for the sake of you know this this just goes beyond Auburn and Auburn fans for the sake of the tournament, for the sake of the other three teams in the games, and for the sake of what college basketball is. It's just a real shame that this tournament has that lingering right now. Well, so we've already touched, we're touching on it right now. Let's go ahead and stop prodding the bear and just call it what it is. At the end of the game, there is a perceived. And when you go back and look at on a replay, a missed double dribble call against Virginia on their last possession, followed by a very, you know, I know where I stand on it and where I stand on it is that it was a foul, but a very tough call to make for, to, for me in that position, knowing what the the team on offense is trying to do as a referee. I think you also need to be anticipating that they're going to try to sell it a little bit, but there is a foul called on Samir Doughty, who's our top scorer again, by the way, and we're shooting three free throws, which ends up giving... Virginia the lead with .06 seconds left, and that's what results in our Auburn Tigers win. So first question to you, Clint, and let's tackle this one at a time. Was that a double dribble? It was, absolutely. Um, but I I don't like the way that people are bringing it up, you know, because I, I didn't catch it. I think you caught it. Um, nobody in the stadium seemed to catch it. Nobody on the court caught it. Well, because they were and too it, far away, Clint. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> but it wasn't until five minutes after the game was over that CBS decided to kind of drive that stake into my heart further and tell us about it. And then the riots started happening. 
you know, that's, I don't think that's the right way to handle it. Right. You know, yeah, it was a missed call, but literally nobody saw it. And, you know, the people are acting like that call is like the Saints missed pass interference in the, you know, late in the game to go to the Super Bowl. And it, it's not. Right. I mean, <clears throat> nobody saw it. You can't argue it 10 minutes after the fact when it's already over. Argue it in the moment or not. I mean, I agree. They should have known those rules. They should have called it the right way. They should have seen it. But we all should have seen it, too. And I know there's a lot of people online who don't like that answer. And you and I and the rest of us are not paid to make those calls and know the rules. But, I mean, there's you've got three people paid on the court to call it. You've got 10 players who generally know those rules. And you've got coaching staff and extra players and commentators and even a an official on the broadcast team they all missed it yeah. and you know i i think when you have to have it pointed out so far after the fact you i don't think that's an arguing point i you know it's tough because i i think we all agree that it was a double dribble um my biggest gripe that I've always said, and you guys have heard me say it ad nauseum on this podcast, especially this season, is I don't want referees to affect the outcome of the game. So in that instant, they didn't because they didn't make a call, you know. So they didn't affect it uh, in in the sense they could have, which would have been in Auburn's favor. Uh, so I would prefer in the final moments that they swallow their whistles as opposed to just make calls like they did a few seconds later. Now, that being said, my personal opinion is that Samir Doughty, while one of the smallest, most minuscule fouls I've ever seen in my life, I've been hit, tackled worse midair than that and had a foul call on me when I've been shooting at threes. Um, one of the most, it, it is by definition of foul, the correct call. However, if you're, if that's going to get let go, and I understand, I understand they didn't see it, but, we're going to let that go. I think that's a moment where you have to be prepared as a referee to swallow your whistle too and let the players play it out. Because here's my stance on it. If the guy knocks down the three with one second left, so be it. They beat us. But don't send them to the free throw line with three seconds left unless it is a clearly obvious blatant call and it wasn't even enough to really truly affect the shot. What are your opinions on it? So I agree with you only in the fact that it truly was a foul. And Seeing the replays, you know, after the game was long over, the the slowed down replays are so much more egregious than real time. <laughs> real time, it doesn't look that bad. Slowed, it does actually show a natural foul. Right. I, you know, I do think that it did affect the shot. Did it affect it all that much? Probably not. Uh, Samir did bump him before he was able to propel the ball off of his hand. The official called it immediately. He didn't wait to see the result of the shot, which that I truly appreciate. Um, I don't like the mentality in the argument of swallow your whistle at the end of the game or, you know, you don't call that foul a foul 
in that part of the game. Well, my argument really is that they should swallow it the entire game and just let the boys play. <laughs> but, you know, I, we can't have nice things, so <laughs> that's why I say... Well, well and th- there are... I, I've, I had to get off social media because it was just driving me nuts because I don't know how... I generally don't know how you could see that play without seeing a foul. But there were people who were saying, you just can't make that call in that situation. And that, I think, is such a cop-out of a excuse and an argument of if it's a foul at you know nineteen fifty six mark in the first half, it's a foul in the last second of the second half. But I think or, people's argument in that instance, Clint, is that it wasn't a foul in the whatever mark earlier in the game because there were moments exactly like that for Bryce Brown or whoever else was shooting beyond the three point arc and it wasn't a foul. I think that's I, I, what people I, I have. and I would agree with that. The officials were not very consistent and they were letting them play early in the game. And that, you know, I, I saw arguments that the officials were not very pro Auburn, whatever that means in, for officials. And, but you know, Malik Dunbar was sitting on a guy's back in the first half. No foul. <laughs> Horace Spencer basically grabbed Kyle guy's hand on a layup. No foul. I do think um, I think Jared got mugged under the goal with no fouls. Um, he should have gotten called a couple. Uh, Javon McCormick got called for a push off that I think the defender just jumped two steps back, and I, I don't like how that one was called. But you know, if you're going to argue consistency sake from first whistle to the last whistle that's fine but when there are people who are arguing the general you can't make that call at that time i think is an incredibly weak argument and you know you mentioned it earlier um these are the kind of things that are going to last for days and weeks i you know i don't think it's going to be that way this is this is such a awful way to lose a game that this is going to just bring up bad memories for Auburn fans for years to come. Mm-hmm. Yep. These, are the, these are the kind of things and these are the kind of people not saying that in a bad way that remember these things and these are stories that are told years down the road. I mean just drive down downtown. There are bars named after football games from decades ago you really think somebody's going to forget about this no and and, you know i wish i could (laughs) i mean if you want to forget about this then you also have to forget about 1716 and you know these are these are the things that are going to last and this is going to be imprinted in auburn's basketball history forever good or bad and that's just you know that's also just another unfortunate outcome to how this game ended you know i i i would have rather have lost on a made three-pointer at that time than the foul absolutely but i just hate that the first 30 win season in program history the first final four the first uh regional title for this team is going to be just remembered sourly and i think that's just incredibly unfair to what this team was able to do this season 
and these players, and it's and it's really unfair to Virginia too. You know, it's just it's an unfortunate outcome that I think we both agree was officiated correctly, though. Do I agree that it, by the bull, rule book it was officiated correctly? Yes. Um, I don't agree by the way uh, things happened throughout the game, which I think were changed at the end of the game. Uh, like we said, you know, my argument is that it was not a foul in, in earlier in the game. Thus, it shouldn't have been a foul at the end of the game when it matters most. Uh, and I, I understand your your point of view uh, of it, it. It's what you call as a quote unquote weak uh, argument for the it should be shouldn't be that call in that moment in that portion of the game. But I think my perspective comes from um, a, a basketball player's standpoint in the meaning that I've had similar situations like that happen to me where uh, at the end of the game when it mattered most you had something taken away from you by something that wasn't involving one of the players. And I think that's where... A lot and, of I, and I totally see that. And I know I'm going to get ripped apart by anybody who no, listens no. to... But I, I will be the first to admit, I'm not a good arguer. I'm not a debate. <laughs> I'm not on a debate team. And I never was for a reason. Um, yeah. But that's, you know, I, I've got my stance and that's how I'm seeing it. But and that's the important thing just, here. That you have a different stance and that everybody has their own opinion. And what it matters in the most thing is just that we have to understand we lost the game. No matter how it happened, it's over. You can't change it. So we might as well revel in the fact of what we were able to accomplish this season. Because there's so much to celebrate. We're going to do a lot of that in the season preview, or excuse me, review show coming up in a couple days and weeks here we'll let this one kind of sit everybody calm down get through spring football and then we'll kind of take a look back at the season that was in in whole and uh look back at some of the seniors and all that kind of stuff because there is a lot to be happy about and we will definitely find a way to do that but your auburn tigers their magical run is done they make it to their first final four and it has been a beautiful and awesome before we get out of here, Clint, let's give our contact information. They can find me on Twitter at TigerEye24. Where can they find you? You can wallow in this loss with me on Twitter <laughs> at ClintAU24. And you can check out my website, the Auburn Uniform Database at AuburnUniforms.com. And that's Clint getting up off the couch and running out of the room to never talk about this one again. <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us. We've enjoyed the season and we've enjoyed talking about every bit of Auburn basketball even this loss. Until we talk to you again, War Eagle. War Eagle. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?